Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Happy radio. In your area code. In your office. On your aux cord, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram, Scoop underscore B, Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. Make sure to subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, or simply visit ScoopBradio.com. And on the line right now is an NBA champion. A guy that's coaching the NBA Finals, an all-around good dude. We've got Byron Scott on the line. Sir, welcome to Scoop B Radio. Scoop pleasure, man. Nice to talk to you. Of course. And you, the Premier League, man, is making his way to the Tri-State area, playing at, you guys are at Rutgers University uh, this weekend. Congratulations, and tell me more about it. It's the uh, primetime league, you know, first of all. But, um, yeah, you know, we're trying to get that name out there, and, we got four teams right now, Scoop, that are participating in our league, our New York team, our Miami team, our Chicago team, and our L.A. team. So our New York and Chicago team will be, will be playing at Rec Center at, uh, in, on the campus of uh, Rutgers uh, this Saturday, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. We've had two games so far, and they went really well, and uh, this is our third game, and we have one more here in L.A. next week. So we're excited. We, we really are excited about what we're trying to put together, giving these guys an opportunity to continue to play uh, the game that they love and continue to uh, prolong their careers. And we've we got guys from the ages of 25 to 35, guys who have been in the pros, you know, eight, nine, ten years, and guys who have been in the pros for a quick cup of, uh, cup of coffee. So uh, it, it's been a hit so far. And uh, what we're trying to do, as I just mentioned, is give these guys the opportunity to, you know, continue their career, number one, and continue to brand themselves, number two. But the thing I think that makes our, our league a little unique is the fact that we also want to uh, give these guys a way of understanding that the transition from basketball into the real world is uh and, and it, it is coming real soon for a lot of guys. So we got a lot of financial institutions that want to partner with us and mentor these guys on on their wealth and, and guys who have made a lot of money. You know, help them to um, uh, keep that money, obviously, in investments and things of that nature. But the guys who haven't made a lot of money, we want to make sure that those guys 
can earn some money and also be able to invest their money in some uh, some some projects that will be worthwhile so they don't have to change their lifestyle uh one of the things that's been such a disappointment for me as a as a former player and coach is watching guys after they played in the NBA four years later guys are broke on the average and that's about 85 percent of the guys who play in the NBA are broke four years after they're done playing so we want to try to negate that and help these guys understand that, you know, there is life after basketball. And so that's one of our main objectives. Scoopy Ready on the line with NBA champion Byron Scott. He is the face of the primetime basketball league. It's a new 5-on-5 full-court pro summer basketball league featuring most of the players you already know and love from the NBA. I mean, man, I was looking at guys like Darius Miles. You guys have uh, – yeah. I mean, that, that that takes me back when it was cool to wear Cavs jerseys uh, back in the day or Clippers jerseys with Darius Miles. You got Amari Stoudemire. You got some names. I mean, how cool is this? It's, it's nostalgia at its finest. You have other leagues that are doing big things. How cool is this? What is the feedback that you're getting from the fans so far? Feedback has been fantastic. Uh, the fans have been great. You know, in Miami and Chicago, uh, they were fantastic. We know New York, you know, big basketball fans. We know they're going to be great. And same thing in Los Angeles. So the feedback that we've been getting from fans has been unbelievable. But even more so, the feedback that we've been getting from our players have been tremendous. Uh, guys really love what we're doing. They love our organization. They love how professional we are. And obviously, uh, you know, if I'm going to put my name on it, we're going to make sure we do this the right way. Uh, Barat Parat, our, um, our, our um, chairman, is an unbelievable guy who, who sees the same things as we see myself and John asked you, you know, and that's just prolonging these guys' career and giving them opportunity to make some money, but to continue to brand themselves. So, I mean, we're really excited about the direction we're headed in. And this is just four preseason games that we're really going to launch our season next year. And hopefully we'll have eight teams that we're going to launch it with and, uh, and really try to, you know, get this thing with some momentum going uh, into next year. And we're looking for big things to happen for primetime basketball. Pirates got online with Coopy Radio, three-time NBA champion, NBA All-Rookie first team. And you had some time overseas. I've always been fascinated by this because I look at certain guys who um, balanced either CBA action or uh, overseas action in between playing in the NBA. You have a unique career because I I remember watching uh, the NBA on NBC and my mom watched the Lakers in the 80s, and then I was born, but then, like, I saw you on NBA and NBC with Reggie Miller. I feel like you've had, like, multiple yeah. lifelines in the NBA. Do you feel like if, if this was around when you were playing, you'd be you'd be starring and, and doing your thing? I mean, it, it seems different for these 90s and 2000s guys. Oh, I would have loved it if it was around. The only problem I probably would have had is the uh, contract obligations with the NBA, uh, and we're not going to run into that with the NBA, they've uh, given us their blessing on our league uh, as long as, obviously, we don't interfere with their season. So that's why this is a uh, uh, a, a basketball league that's going to be played in the summer where guys are off. Uh, and, again, like I said, it keeps them uh, relevant. Uh, I love overseas guys. That's, you know, that's a great thing. But once our guys go overseas, you know, it's that old saying, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So a lot of these guys still have admirations of being in the NBA. So when they're still over here, NBA scouts get a chance to look at them and see them on a day-to-day basis. So um, we, we've really kind of taken that you know, by the horns as far as allowing our guys to continue to play in the summer, uh, put some coins in their pocket, and, and also uh, be relevant in the game of basketball. You've had the unique opportunity and the distinct opportunity to, uh, to play with um, some all-stars and future Hall of Famers. 
uh, obviously you, you played with Magic Johnson with the Lakers, and then you know you played with Reggie Miller uh, with the Pacers. Right. You coached Kyrie Irving, and you played with Kobe. I think those are all like they are obsessed with basketball. Um, yeah. What are some of the common themes that you found with those guys as they're playing with them or coaching them? Well, you, you forgot another name in there, Chris Paul, who I think is a future Hall of Famer as well. I coached yes. him, Jason Kidd, you know, in New Jersey, uh, future Hall of Famer as well. You know, the one thing all those guys got in common, they have a killer instinct about them, and they have a competitive nature that's uh, second to none. And I think that's one of the reasons all those guys have become just great basketball players. I mean, you know, I had it firsthand playing with the Lakers, playing with Magic Johnson, playing with James Worthy, playing with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I got a chance to see those guys on a day-to-day basis. And they just went hard every single day. I mean, they had talent. There was no doubt about that. But they also worked harder than everybody else. So uh, the guys that we just mentioned, the Kobe Bryans and the Chris Pauls, uh, you know, the Kareems and guys like that, they all have that unique talent of just going out there and working harder than everybody else. And that's why they've been so successful. Would you rather be Kobe's teammate or coach him? I mean, I had him in two different stages of his of his life. I had him as a teammate when he was an 18-year-old kid who was just trying to find his way. But he, he had a real good plan and idea and image on what he wanted to accomplish. And we would sit down periodically and just talk about the basketball, talk about the NBA. And, you know, he would tell me all the time that he wanted to be the best player in the league. And his work ethic was second to none. So I knew he was going to get there. I, I knew that without a shadow of a doubt uh, that he was going to get there. Coaching was, was fantastic because of the fact that it was at the tail end of his career. Uh, we had such a great relationship that, you know, we, we meshed extremely well from a coaching player standpoint. You know, all everybody was always telling me how hard it was going to be to coach Kobe, and I had not one problem with Kobe because we had such respect for each other. Uh, and to be honest with you, it was probably easier coaching him, um, you know, than it was being his teammate because being his teammate at the time, he was just so young and he wasn't playing a whole lot, but he was learning on the job, and, and it was just really good to see. But Coaching him was a joy. I mean, I really had a lot of fun coaching Kobe the last couple of seasons. It was a uh, very fulfilling for me. You were sitting on the bench April 12, 2016, uh, when Kobe dropped 60 points on the Utah Jazz and the 101-96 went over the Jazz. Did you find yourself kind of taking a look outside of yourself as the coach and kind of just observing what Kobe was doing because it was his last game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, it was one of those games where I wanted him to play extremely well. And my goal to, you know, at, the end of, at the beginning of the season was I got to get him to the last game where he's playing, where he's healthy. You know, so I, I cut his uh, time down, you know, during the season, you know, made, made sure I restricted a lot of his practices and things of that nature. And, you know, the first four or five minutes of that game, he was like over eight. And I was like, man, I just don't want him to go out this way. And then all of a sudden he got hot. So I found myself in the fourth quarter especially – you know, when he had about 45 and then he hit 50, I found myself being a fan just watching this unbelievable pro for so many years, Hall of Famer, uh, one of the greatest players that's ever played, just put on a show in his last game, and it was really just fun to watch. What was the talk? Like, I'll give you an example. I had Kenny the Jet Smith on Scoopy Radio, and you know that well, because the day that um, you were on the jump, that was when it, it was on my podcast uh, that Kenny Smith had made the mention of had Michael not retired, the Rockets still would have won multiple championships, by the way. Um, and one of the things that Kenny Smith was talking about was when the Rockets and the, and the Knicks were playing in the NBA Finals, the OJ chase was going on, and he said that there was actually talk on the bench about OJ being on the run on the L.A. freeway. Comparatively, I'm curious, during Kobe's 60-point game uh, 
on I guess in that game against the Utah Jazz. What was the bench atmosphere like with the younger players? It was bananas. Uh, the younger players were going crazy. Uh, I don't think at the time they they understood you know what was really being done. I don't think they understood the the, uh, the magnitude of uh, what Kobe was doing out there on the floor. I don't know any guy yet in any sport that has gone out that way. You know, 60 points in his final game uh, at 37 years old uh, was just something I don't think anybody could imagine at that time. So our young guys were so into it. Our coaches was into it. Obviously, if you remember that game, the fans were just going crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had celebrities sitting on the sideline like Snoop. You know, Snoop Dogg was just jumping up and down and acting crazy. It, it was just – it was almost a, uh, a, a NBA Finals atmosphere, the way the crowds were reacting every time he touched the ball. So um, you got to give our, a lot of young guys credit. They didn't really understand what was going on, but they were just so thrilled and happy to death for what they were witnessing at that particular time. Scoopy ready on the line with – NBA legend Byron Scott talking primetime basketball league, the new five-on-five full-court pro summer basketball league, talking Kobe Bryant, talking about everything in between. I'm curious. I, I, there was a quote that was out. Uh, Charles Barkley uh, basically said that he would not join a super team. He'd rather go ringless than join a super team. And I spoke to Clyde Drexler, um, and he said to me um, that that Houston Rockets team that, that Chuck was on was a super team, but then he also right. said – um, that Magic Johnson's Lakers and Bill Russell's Celtics were a super team. I'll be more specific. Right. On this, on, when I spoke to him, he said the Celtics with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Danny Ainge, Gerald Henderson, Cornbread Maxwell were part of that. He said, but then you look at the, the Lakers. You go McAdoo, Michael Thompson, you've got Byron Scott, A.C. Green, Kirk Rambis, all these great players, Michael Cooper, same time playing very high level. That's what super teams are about and then. Do you subscribe to the theory that your Lakers team with Magic Johnson and yourself was a super team? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we didn't call it a super team back in those days because Jerry was the Jerry was the master at, at drafting guys and, and making trades to make that team such a super team. Uh, but nobody looked at it and said that's a super team. They just said they were a great team. You know, we just had great talent and we played played the game the right way. You know, everybody played the game to win basketball games. Nobody plays for the notoriety. Nobody plays for the glamour. Everybody played to win. And that, you know, when you look at our team back then, yeah, it was a super team. So I have no problem with Golden State, uh, you know, Kevin Durant joining that team. I have no problem with that. When you are a free agent, you know, that's exactly what it is. That means you have the option to do whatever you want or join whatever team you want to join. As long as they they have the the cap space to uh, be able to afford you. So, you know, watching Golden State right now, uh, to me, you know, a lot of people are hating on them now that you have DeMarcus Cousin who joined them. But you know what? That's the luxury of winning. Everybody wants to play with winners. And I think that's exactly what's happening with Golden State right now. You talked about the Golden State Warriors. Your alma mater, so to speak, the Los Angeles Lakers. That is the baddest man on the planet, LeBron James. Your thoughts on King James joining the Lakers? I love it. I mean, Scoop, I love it. I, you know, when he signed with the Lakers, or, you know, just the news that he was going to be a Laker before he even signed, I, I was thrilled to death. Uh, you know, obviously it, it puts the Lakers right back up in that higher echelon. Uh, it makes them contenders right away because, like you said, he is the baddest man in the game, and they got a lot of young talent on this Laker team, and they're going to learn a lot with having LeBron James around there, just, just the way he works, is just the way he approaches the game. So if those guys just listen and learn and watch, uh, they're going to be a team this year who I think will win 50-plus games, and they're going to be right there at the end of the day. 
on paper because the Lakers still haven't played a game yet. Which team that Lakers team that you played on does this current Lakers roster remind you of? Um, well, when you watch them on paper, they, they really don't remind me of any of the teams that I played with back in the day because we had a dominant big man, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We had a Hall of Famer at the small forward position in James Worthy. We had a, a Hall of Famer at the point guard position in Magic Johnson. So, you know, they got the Hall of Famer in, in LeBron James, no doubt about that, one of the best players that's ever played this game who can play multiple positions. But they don't have the other elements of those guys that I just mentioned. So this team, as young as they are, and they're going to grow together and they're going to learn you know, from one another, uh, I still think they got the potential to be third best team in the West behind Golden State and Houston. Uh, but it's going to take them some time. But I wouldn't compare them to any of the teams that I played on in L.A. right now. They still have to go out there on the floor and prove it. That, that's the biggest you know, biggest uh, element they have facing them right now. You returned to New Jersey, central New Jersey. You coached in northern New Jersey and East Rutherford. Will you find yourself having flashbacks to being in the New Jersey area uh, with your <laughs> primetime league? Probably so. You know, I had a lot of success in Jersey. I mean, we had a team that won 26 games my first year as a rookie coach. Uh, we made a, a big deal with uh, getting Jason Kidd to, uh, to to Jersey, and we had some uh, some great picks in Richard Jefferson and Kenya Martin and guys like that that were, were able to elevate us to uh, NBA contention and, and, and ultimately get us to the finals. So, obviously, when I step around in New Jersey, I'm going to have some very fond memories. And uh, I think it's going to be fun being in there uh, this weekend. If you had to pick between – I spoke to Kenyon Martin about this. He said he felt that the Spurs the Spurs series, uh, NBA Finals, it was a better chance that you guys could have won uh, versus the Lakers. The Lakers were jam-packed. What could you have done differently coaching-wise to guide that team to a championship against the Spurs? You know what, the Spurs were so good. Uh, you know, there, there's probably a, a few things. There were some uh, some players that I probably left on the floor too long. Uh, could have probably made some better decisions as a coach from a substitutional standpoint. I thought the game plan was always pretty good. But you, you also still got to look at that Spurs team, and they, they got probably three future Hall of Famers as well when you talk about Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. So, uh, you know, they were a great team. There's no doubt about that. We knew we were going to have our hands full, but I still look back and say, man, we probably could have went to a game seven, and then you never know what happened in the game seven uh, in the NBA Finals. So uh, for for that series, you know, obviously I, I took a lot of the uh, uh, the brunt of that loss uh, of that series because I felt bad that I, I thought I made some decisions that wasn't the, the best decisions. You know, it was only my second or third year as a coach. Uh, you know, hindsight is always fifty-fifty. If I if I had it, you know, had to do it over again, I would have did some different things. But that doesn't necessarily mean the outcome would have been that much different. But I think we would have had a better chance. You guys played the Detroit Pistons uh, in the finals uh, after those two back-to-backs, and Kenny Martin said to me that you know there were never any um, adjustments made to that to, to that Nets team, and you know subsequently you know he was traded uh, in a signing trade with the Denver Nuggets. What could you have guys have done to get better? The Eastern Conference caught up. What could the Nets have done to kind of compete with the Eastern Conference? Was it just the Pistons' time? I think it was just the Pistons' time. They had a great team. I mean, you look at their starting five. Their starting five was one of the best starting fives in basketball. Four of those guys made the All-Star team. Uh, we could have made some some slight adjustments during you know throughout the series, but I, I really do feel that it was just their time. They were playing on such a high level. Uh, they had a they had a Hall of Fame coach who was just a great coach and a great friend of mine in Larry Brown. 
so, you know, sometimes you just run into a team that's just better than you at that particular time, and it's their time, and I thought that was the case when we played against the Detroit Pistons. Scoopy Radio on the line with Byron Scott, legendary NBA player, most notably with the Los Angeles Lakers, talking his campaign league in the center. Make sure to subscribe to Scoopy Radio on Apple Podcasts, like TuneIn app, Stitcher app, and Spotify. Jason Kidd, uh, he becomes a Hall of Famer uh, this weekend. Are you proud of him? I am. I'm happy for him because he, he put in all the work. Uh, Jason was a great player. He was an unbelievable competitor. Uh, you know, when there was a big shot to be made, it, 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 as much as people talked about it, he wasn't a great shooter, but he made big shots when the game was on the line. So, you know, he's one of those guys that, hey, I, I feel that I had a little bit to do with his career being in New Jersey, and obviously he had a lot to do with my career being su- successful as a coach in New Jersey. And so, yeah, I'm extremely happy for it. Have you guys gotten a chance to bury the hatchet? Not really. Not really. I mean, in, in this day and age, you know, you don't get a chance to see guys that often. You know, one of my favorite players is, is Chris Paul. I don't I don't get a chance to see uh, CP that often. Uh, we hit each other the other day on Facebook, but other than that, I haven't seen him in the last two or three years. But, uh, you know, I, I would hope that there's some somewhere down the line that uh, if we do run into each other, I know myself, you know, uh, I, I have definitely forgot about it, and it's, it's uh, water under the bridge, and, you know, if I do see him, I want to just congratulate him on his career and everything that, he, that he's been able to accomplish, and uh, hopefully we can go from there. i tell you one thing. When, when you were let go by the Nets, my grandmother lives in Jersey City. She's pissed. She said, they let that black man go. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, you know, it's all in God's plan, and I knew – uh, when Rod Thorne called me to meet him somewhere, I knew exactly what was going on. So, uh, you know, sometimes your time is up and you got to move on. And, uh, again, like I said, when I step foot in Jersey, they'll always have fond memories of what we were able to accomplish uh, in New Jersey as the uh, New Jersey Nets. And that team never got to that level again. So I'm very proud of what I was able to do. What are you most excited about uh, since Saturday? You got Darius Miles. I mentioned that. You got Amari Stoudemire. Here's some of the other clubs that maybe people haven't seen in a long time that they should be excited for and that you're excited to see them play in New Jersey. Well, I'm excited to see uh, Amari. You know, I mean, he's been such a great player uh, when he was in the NBA. Uh, He's in phenomenal shape. you know, my man John Askew called him up and said, hey, we'd love for you to play in our New York game. And he said, not a problem. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Obviously, Darius played in our game in Chicago. I'm looking forward to seeing Darius. Uh, Stutterfield, I mean, who played a great game the last time we played. Uh, you know, point guard who shot the ball really well. So uh, it's going to be a fun game. I think the fans are really going to get a kick out of watching these guys play and it's gonna bring back memories for the fans as well. If you can look into your crystal ball, uh, I, I spoke to one of your former players, Brian Scalabrini. I said, what can the Lakers do uh, to possibly beat the Golden State Warriors? He said, nothing. What could the Lakers do? <laughs> to t- he well, kept it straight. Well, I tell you, yeah, he kept it, he kept it, he kept it 100. I know that. I tell you what, you know, when you got, when you got number 23 on your side, LeBron James, you, you got a chance. No doubt about that. It, it might be a slim chance, but they got a chance. And I, I looked at the, the series last year where Golden State pretty much dominated the Cleveland Cavaliers, and LeBron was just putting up bad numbers. But LeBron has more talent with this Laker team than he had the last couple of seasons in Cleveland. So there's a chance. He, you know, they got a, a, a puncher's chance, but I think their chance would be even greater 
next year. They still have to add another, you know, uh, big-time player to go alongside of LeBron to really have a chance to beat Golden State in the second-game series. I've always been fascinated with your use of defense and offense, particularly with the Nets as well as with uh, the Hornets. Why do you think um, – do you? Th- I guess my question is: Do you think that that offense can still be used to, to perfection in the NBA today? I do. I, I think there's certain elements of that offense that can still be effective, and there's still certain elements of that offense and the Princeton offense that are still used in the NBA. So uh, it hasn't disappeared completely. Uh, it, it's one of those offenses that it requires guys to have a very high Q, uh, basketball-wise, and it requires guys to be selfish. You know, you you can't want to be the man. You got to be able to be a team player when you play in the Princeton offense. So, uh, Golden State would be a prime example. If you put um, certain elements of the Princeton offense in the Golden State Warriors or San Antonio Spurs, you know they would run it to perfection because they care about winning. They don't care about individual statistics. So, uh, like I said, there's still elements of it that are being run by pretty much, you know, I would say 75 percent of the teams in the NBA still run some form of the Princeton offense. I hold that in high regard because I looked at, you know, the Bulls when obviously they used the triangle offense and Tex Winter was uh, the architect for that and, and, and with Phil Jackson. And I look at the situation where Pete Carrell, you know, mentored Eddie right. Jordan and then Michael Corn was your assistant coach. And what, right. what made you decide to do it? Was it a collaborative effort? Was it something that you saw and then decided to use it with New Jersey? What was going through your mind when you decided, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Well, you know what? I was with Pete Correll in Sacramento. So Pete would bring me to the side, and I would come in his office, and he would show me all kind of variations of the Princeton offense. And he would always tell me, he said, you would have been great in this offense because you know how to play basketball. So when I got to New Jersey the first year, we didn't run it, obviously. And then the second year, uh, we're sitting in the coaches' meeting, and Eddie brought it up. And I said, you know what? I know a little bit about it. I know some of the elements about the Princeton offense. But Eddie had a very good uh, understanding of that offense. So I told him in the summer league, I said, let's try it in summer league and let's see how it goes. And we went out and practiced it and we put it in our summer league team. Our summer league team ended up winning seven out of their eight games in summer league. And right then, you know, going into the season, I said, we're going to run the Princeton offense. And uh, Eddie was my offensive uh, genius of uh, putting in the Princeton offense for us and did an unbelievable job. And our guys bought into it right away. And, and again, a lot of that was because Jason Kidd was the uh, was the point guard who was extremely smart and understood the game extremely well. And once he bought into it, everybody else on the team bought into it. That's what made it successful. Scoopy Radio. Radio talking to Byron Scott. A couple more questions for you. Our primetime league is coming up uh, this weekend. And uh, when I look at NBA 2K, it comes out uh, unofficially this weekend. And I had Charles Barkley on Scoopy Radio, and he said that unless the Players Association is compensated, the retired players are compensated more specifically, uh, he would not join the team. You are one on one of the Legends teams uh, on NBA 2K. How arduous of a process is that to actually get Legends on? Is it a lot, are there a lot of guys in your peer group that are against it because of money or just because they don't want to be seen? A little bit of both. Uh, you know, some guys who played in the league, you know, years ago, they just they want to just be kind of left alone and live their life, and they're doing their other things. And then there's the other guys who want, you know, a, a bigger cut. You know, so it's a little bit of both. And, you know, like I said, I'm one of the guys that's on there because I'm with the players, I mean, with the Coaches Association as well as the Players Association. So I'm all for, you know, as much as they can get out there for our players uh, to get some of the residuals of what this league has been able to accomplish for the last 
30, 40 years, every team in this league is making money now, which is you got to give a lot of credit to David Stern. Uh, but when he took over the league, there was probably four or five teams making money. Now you got 30 teams in the league. And then when I came to the league, it was like 22 teams. Now you got 30 teams in the league, and every one of those teams are making money, not only with you know what they're doing with their season tickets and all the other stuff, but with the TV contracts and things of that nature. Uh, all the teams are prospering. So uh, I'm all for any time you can make money in these players. I tell the players all the time, you know, if, they, if they're going to pay you $100 million, you know, take it. You know, make as much money as you can while you can. And then make sure that you do everything you can to invest it the right way and make sure you look out uh, and check your agents and your financial guys to make sure they're doing exactly what you need them to do to make sure when you're done that you're not one of the statistics that is broke when, when you're finished playing the game. Here's the million-dollar question, literally. Uh, Scott Rochelle came on uh, Scoopy Radio uh, earlier this week, and basically he did say that uh, there was a seven-figure deal for you guys to, you know, to appear on the game. If if you're an arbitrator, hypothetically, between a player and the Players Association in the game, what do you think is a fair amount uh, for a player to want to come on if, if, if money is the issue? Oh, Scoop, that's a tough question. Like I said, that's a million-dollar question because I think it depends on um, where where is that player as far as rank-wise. You know, I mean, his popularity, because uh, I think, obviously – a lot of players, they want to get paid for what they feel they're worth, you know, so everybody's going to be different. Uh, when you're talking to LeBron James, that's going to be totally different than you're talking to a Lonzo Ball, you know, who's a rookie who's still trying to find his way. So compensation is always going to be a big question. Uh, and that's why you have agents to go in there and negotiate, you know, negotiate that, that amount. Uh, but that's going to always be a sticking point because you got so many guys, uh, that are, get on a different level as far as playing, you know, so everybody wants to get paid a certain amount of money because of what they've been able to accomplish. So that's going to always be a little sticky situation. You heard it first. Byron Scott on Scoopy Radio. If you're in New York or New Jersey, head over to Rutgers, Primetime Basketball League, five-on-five full court. You probably even meet the man yourself and take a couple selfies. Mr. Scott, thank you so much for joining Scoopy Radio. It's my pleasure. Scoopy yes, sir. Radio. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.